Welcome to Postscript. My name is Dave Severns. I'm the worship pastor here at Compass Point, and today with me is lead pastor Paul Eastwood. Amen. How are you doing? I am doing great. Back again for another podcast. We're pretty excited about this. Back again. Yeah, this is going to be a good one. I mean, it's always a good one, but I'm looking forward to this one. If you are astute and have been following along, you will think to yourself, hey, wait a minute. Paul didn't preach on Sunday. Dave didn't preach on Sunday. Where's Chris? And Chris is uh, on vacation which is great. We love uh, that. We think that rest is a super important thing. So we didn't force him to come back from vacation to do this podcast. We thought we would just kind of pick up and, and talk a little bit about these stories um, at at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Uh, talk about some of what Chris had, as well as give you guys a little update, which we'll do at the end about reopening and what, what things are looking like in this next season of pandemic COVID for Compass Point and what we're hoping for. So um, yeah. Yeah. I'm excited, but let's, let's yeah. jump in with the Sermon on the Mount, Paul. Yeah, um, for sure. We end with the story of the, the house built on the rock, um, and the house built on the sand. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, as you've gone through this, as you've been reading Matthew, what, what about the end of the Sermon on the Mount has really stuck with you? Yeah, that, a good question. I think what ends, what, what is fascinating to me is the, as the whole thing kind of comes to a conclusion is that it, it? There's this huge sense of finality, and there's this huge sense of right and wrong, and black and white, and these clear distinction mm-hmm. between two paths. And I think a lot of people like to look at the Sermon on the Mount, and you know, most people when they think about Jesus and what he taught, they're like, "I'm cool with that. I'm good with what Jesus was about. He was about like loving your neighbors, and you know, like even loving your enemies, and all that kind of stuff." And people can get behind some of those teachings of Jesus. And often they look at the Sermon on the Mount, it becomes this like ethics book. It's like a little pamphlet yeah. about Jesus' ethics. And in the con- in this context, what we find is that at the end of the passage, it he makes it clear that this is a matter of life and death. And mm. that this is not just about, you know, feel good, like do good things and be a good person. And we're all cool, man. There's life and death hanging in the balance. And it's scary and I think I think uh, Chris captured this really well because a lot of times when we look at the you know the Sermon on the Mount and we look at the end of it, we we think about the end of chapter seven without the beginning of chapter seven, and we hmm. end with this story about the you know the rock and the in the house and this cute little story, and we say like, you know if if we do the right things, then we'll have a strong foundation, and if we don't do the right things, if we don't listen to Jesus, it won't be strong. But there's something far more significant to it. Right above this passage is a place where Jesus says, I think, some of the most chilling things in Scripture, where he says, you know, there are going to be people who come to me in the last days, and they say, you know, like, hey, we did this for you, God. We did yeah. this for you. We did this for you. And and at judgment, there's this statement, you know, away from me, you evildoers. I, you know, I never knew you. And that is chilling to the bone. And I think yeah. Chris captured that well in the sense that this story, you know, while it has you know, some implication in in terms of the here and now, you know, the storms of life and how we can remain secure. There's also this very strong finality to it and a Mm -hmm. life and death decision that must be made um, in terms of where is your foundation going to be built? What are you going to build your life on? Yeah. And it, I mean, I think that's really, that's really important. Obviously the decisions we make here and now are important. And, and, you know, sometimes we go through seasons of suffering, but this isn't, this isn't the book of Job. It's not a lesson about, um, even just, you know, being okay when you're suffering it, it, it does end with this kind of like, you, you gotta do this right. Which is how, yeah. how do we live in the tension of, 
Um, so we, we often talk about salvation as this gift, as this thing we accept. It's not something we do. Yeah. Um, and yet there are hints in this passage of, of, is it doing, is it like, again, it's this weird tension that we have of, um, our lives need to look like it. We need to fully enter into this gospel, into this kingdom as yeah. subjects of the king, but it's not really about what we're doing. Um, no. How do, how do we live in that tension? Well, I mean, I think it's, you know, uh, uh, Brother Yoon um, said that you can never really know the scripture until you're willing to be changed by them. So in mm-hmm. other words, knowledge is not just about uh, a test knowledge is about putting things into practice and allowing them to change you. And I think that's, that -hmm. is really important. And so, you know, for me, I think back to my uh, university days and um, I remember I've told this story before, but, uh, but I remember um, meeting some people who knew someone who was from my church and they had met him in a completely different context. And I wasn't really friends with this person. I didn't know this person very well. But mm. it, very early on in the conversation, as we began um, at the school and I started, you know, into this friend group, they found out that I was a, a Christian and that I was follower of Jesus and this was important to me. And so mm. they said, oh, yeah, that's, that's cool. Like, what kind of, you know, what church do you go to? And I said, I went to this church. And they said, oh, I know someone. And then they immediately said to me, oh, you're that kind of Christian. And I was like, well, mm. what does that mean? Well, it turns out this person that I didn't know very well that attended our church um, would go to church on Sundays, but then for the rest of the week, uh, it was as if it didn't matter. You know, he was yeah. out at the parties. He was, you know, getting into everything that everyone else was getting into. And, and immediately they said to me, oh, you're one of those kinds of Christians, as if they associated mm. me with this person whose life didn't match what they believed. And I think that that matters a great deal. It matters in all kinds of different ways, and obviously in our testimony, but it matters to us um, in the sense that when we really get it and understand it, and when we really submit to Jesus as King, it changes us. It has to change yeah. us. And if it yeah. doesn't change us, then we don't know it. Um, then we don't understand it. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I've, I've been wrestling a lot with that idea lately. Um, okay. I'm going to make my second Hamilton reference in, in two weeks, the Hamilton, the musical that is. So watching through that, I was struck by, um, you know, that, that was an age as is most of our Western history is an age where everyone went to church. Everyone considered themselves uh, a Christian yeah. and yet it doesn't play into the story at all. And I yeah. kind of had to stop and ask myself, okay, if my story gets told ever, and I, not that I, you know, think I'm going to do anything extraordinary <laughs> or be a founding father of anything, but it, if anyone ever told my story, could they tell it without Jesus? Hmm. And would it matter? Hmm. Um, you know, is if I, uh, moved away. If I got hit by a bus, would, would my neighbors remember me mm-hmm. in a way that remembers Jesus as well in a way that says, Oh yeah, he was not just a pastor, but like there was something about him and the way that he followed Jesus that was unique and compelling and memorable. Um, yeah. And not that we have to be like, I, I, I don't think it would be a good thing if they were like, Oh, that, here, that was a guy always yelling about Jesus. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but what does it look like to look like the king um yeah and i think you know i think one of the things that's interesting about this account is that both of the houses look the same but there is something different mm-hmm. right and what's yeah. different is not the house and i mean how many times have you ever heard the phrase you know like oh you know he's a nice guy he's a great guy he's really yep. nice whatever and usually is the way to introduce something bad you're going to say about something <laughs> he's a really <laughs> nice guy but yeah that could be part of it as well but i but i also think that it's also used to describe followers like at times um, those who are a lot like there's people who would be like, hey, 
you know, that person is nice. They, you know, they're a yeah. nice person or whatever. Yeah. And to what they're pointing out is the house. And there are lots mm-hmm. of nice people. There are lots of people mm-hmm. who's going to hold the door open for somebody else or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the Sermon on the Mount talks about this idea of letting our light shine in such a way that when we do good deeds in front of other people, who mm-hmm. gets the praise? Our Heavenly Father. So yeah. somehow, and this is not easy, I'm not saying, but it's somehow there is a, a, a point for us to begin to redirect the attention that we're getting and place mm-hmm. it firmly on the foundation. And so in other words, if, if, um, if someone comes to me and let's just say, you know, I get, I've, you know, an example when my daughter was, was young and, and she was, um, she was sick, uh, she, yep. she was born and there was some complications and we weren't sure what was going on exactly. And, and so there was a lot of stress and a lot of things that were going on. And Michelle's friends would come to her and say, you know, how do you remain so calm? Um, you're such a calm person. You mm. just have such a peace about you. And Michelle could be like, hey, that's great. You know, you're seeing the house. This is this is my house. And this is kind of what I, you know, what's been built. But I think what's most powerful is when we point to the foundation and we say, yeah. the reason I'm calm right now is not actually because I feel calm because I'm freaking out. But I actually have this very firm belief that that there is something bigger going on and God is in control. And my foundation mm-hmm. is actually in Jesus. That to me, when we start pointing people to the foundation rather than the house, that I think is going to be key for us. Yeah. Uh, and it, I mean, it's hard to, to do, but it, I mean, it requires, I love that it requires us to be in relationship, right? It requires us to have trust and to know and to discern. Um, that's yeah. why we've been given the spirit, right? It's not, we don't just shout it as loudly as we can. We, we have to be with people and in relationship and know um, when to encourage them to look past the house onto the foundation. Yeah, exactly. Um, exactly. Yeah, it's so good. Um, I, I loved, uh, there was a, a phrase, a, uh, an image that Chris gave us at the end of his sermon. He talked about um, cartoons and how in cartoons, people, characters are often squeezing, squeezing through small spaces, especially keyholes, it seems. Uh, and, and what is it they look like when they come out the other side? They look like the shape of the keyhole. Um, and how that is like the kingdom, um, how, how, when we enter the kingdom and are shaped by the kingdom, we come out looking more like the King. We, we come out reflecting the kingdom in a really significant way. Yeah. Um, how have you seen that in your own life, Paul? Um, yeah, I, well, I mean, I'm, how have I, I, I don't want to like, yeah. how are you? <laughs> well, awesome. you know, how am no, I amazing? <laughs> how do I reflect Jesus everywhere? Um, but, I can tell you how sometimes it doesn't happen, but I, yeah, I, I think that, um, you know, I think I think what we described already about pointing people to the foundation is probably the way that it, it shows up most often in my own life. Um, you know, in terms of and and also uh, here's here's one of the ways that it shows up in my life, which would be an interesting way to talk about it, is that I uh, I expect I don't I don't expect right off the bat that people's houses reflect a foundation. <laughs> So let me put it another okay. way. When I meet somebody, I it doesn't matter how great they are, how you know holy they might be, how much of a follower of Jesus they might describe themselves. I have gotten to a place where I will never be surprised by something that is in their life, uh, mm. where where some kind of a something comes up, and mm. you know, lots of people are like, "Oh, I never would have imagined." Well. I think it's important for us to recognize that there's a difference between the house and the foundation. And in the yeah. same way, you know, even people who are living out their lives in a, in a way that seems to be honoring and upright, 
Um, I, I, you know, I think that's great. And in many ways they reflect the, the sort of the, the values of the kingdom, but there, that doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, that everything is good, you know? Yeah. Well, in the same way that, I mean, to take it back to houses, if you're buying a house, right, you can do a walkthrough yourself, yeah. but until you get an inspector in and right. we don't inspect each other's lives this way typically, but yeah. right. You, you bring in an expert who can see behind things. And even then they kind of say, well, I can tell you this much, yeah. but you're going to have to live here through a winter to really figure out what's going on. Right. And that's, yeah, it's, it's I, hard to see that foundation. Sometimes. Yeah. And I think, I think understanding the difference between the foundation and the house means that we become less judgmental. Um, mm-hmm. either way, we recognize that, you know, inconsistencies are sort of part of being human in some ways. And mm-hmm. so we don't yeah. expect perfection, but nor do we, uh, assume perfection either, uh, when we see, when okay. we see something really positive, you know, one thing I was going to say too, like, uh, an example, a good example in the, in, in the new Testament is the story of the good Samaritan, because yep. the story of the good Samaritan, you basically have the bad guy who's the Samaritan and you have the good guy who's the Pharisee. And the Pharisees following all the all the laws. In fact, the fact that they're going on the other side of the street is an example that they are sort of avoiding some of the impurity laws that would yeah. have caused them to have some issues. And so they're taking their faith in the law seriously, right? So taking their faith in the law seriously are on one hand, but they are not the ones that are that Jesus describes as the one who is loving their neighbor. It's the one who who where the kingdom values just sort of like pour out in the person of the Samaritan who reaches out Mm. to the person who is injured and hurt. Um, And so I think that's a, that's a, there's always these kind of examples where, where you see someone who is expected to be holy, you know, is not. And the person who, you know, doesn't seem to have it all together demonstrates those kingdom values in much more powerful ways. And I think that's a real, uh, you know, sort of an example of, of what Jesus was talking about when he described all this. Hmm. Yeah. So, if I was, um, if someone was listening to this and, you know, has been reading this passage and feels convicted that they, uh, that they haven't built, been building their house on the rock, that they've been on the sand, but they want to want to move their house to the, to the rock. Um, what would you tell them? What's, uh, what's the next step? What do you do? Well, I mean, I don't, I, I, you know, the simple answer is, is always about going deeper in our relationship with Jesus. And, and mm-hmm. I know that, you know, like, well, the answer to every question is read your Bible and pray every day. Well, not exactly. Um, but what I would say, first of all, you know, some people have a, have a hard time noticing when they, when they're missing the mark in that, in that way. So For sure. there, there may be some of us who are out there who are saying, yep, like I know that this is an area of my life that I got to get sorted out. I think for those individuals, the next steps are pretty clear. You've got to start moving in the right direction according to those issues that are, that are propping up. But I would sure. say the majority of us are in a place where we're like, yeah, we're pretty good people. I'm, I'm doing okay. I'm not really, I don't really think uh, that there's an area where I'm actually building on sand. I'm, I'm pretty much building on a solid foundation. Yep. Well, what I would say is that, you know, as much as character is revealed by fruit, faith, a true faith is really solid or, or understood or unveiled or, or re, uh, revealed by storms. So mm-hmm. when difficult things come in your life, and you reach behind you for that sturdy, whatever it is, you know, in, in the case of, you know, if I'm falling over, I reach behind me and I feel a sturdy chair, then I can sit down in the chair and I'm fine. Um, yep. But when we're in the storms and we've been kind of knocked a little bit and we reach behind us for our faith to support us and we realize there's nothing there, hmm. those are the moments where you recognize that you've built your house on the sand. Now, 
sometimes though we we have the privilege of coming into those situations earlier in life and that gives us the chance to take some steps to get out of it um Mm -hmm. but yeah so that's a good question about what do we do to to strengthen that foundation um you know it's a it's another i think it's another sort of indication that we we do want a checklist um when a checklist is not exactly what the gospel is all about sure so, so I, I, yeah, I, I would say, um, I mean, your, your point is basically that we have poor self-perception, which I think yeah. we largely know. Yeah. Um, the question is always, how do we, how do we see more of ourselves more accurately? Uh, and I would say if, if that's where you're at, invite feedback, find someone wise who you respect uh, could be a peer, could be a family member, could be someone older who's been on the journey a lot longer. Yeah. I mean, our, our church, one of the reasons we have pastors and elders at our church is that we, we've kind of designated some people as not, not perfect, not always right, but yeah. um, we respect their journey and we respect their relationship with God. And, and, you know, these are the kinds of people who can help you. And if you come to someone and say, hey, I, it, are there things you're seeing in my life um, that maybe look more like a foundation of sand than, than of rock. Are there, mm. are there cracks in my house um, that point to what's underneath? Uh, people usually can, can help you with that. Um, it's a hard thing to do, but man, it can be so good to, yeah. Uh, yeah. To reveal things. Um, mm-hmm. That's, that's good. Uh, you know, we, we want to talk a little more about reopening soon here. Um, any, any closing thoughts from the sermon on the Mount? We could spend so long we on could. this passage. We, we were, uh, you and Brad and Chris and I were talking earlier or me. Oh no, it was our service debrief. You weren't, you weren't there, Paul. And we said, man, we could do uh, two years on the sermon on the Mount. Sure. Two, two years worth of sermons pretty easily. Sure. So we can't do everything, but any, any closing thoughts? Um, well, I just, the question is what did Jesus expect as a result of his teaching? What was, what was his expectation? And, and I think, I think that's a question that we need to be asking ourselves. Um, it wasn't a, it wasn't so that we would ace a test or get, you know, get a bunch of questions right on a multiple choice questionnaire or anything like that. Um, the building that we should be doing in our lives is really radical discipleship, you know, choosing to follow, um, you know, choosing to follow Jesus and revealing the characteristics that he described right back in the Beatitudes, right from the very beginning, you know? And so our goal is to, align ourselves to bring ourselves in alignment with with jesus and uh and display his characteristics but again uh the building is about following um you know Mm -hmm. being being as as good a follower as we possibly can and that's what jesus was expecting right from the very beginning what did he say to his disciples follow me you know and then he goes on and explains and i think the what he would say after the sermon on the mount is hey follow me let's go (laughs) yeah so uh, as a point of transition, yeah. uh, one of the ways that we say is so important to keep following Jesus is to gather as the church, yeah. uh, as as the community of God, uh, to hear from the word, to hear from one another, to to worship uh, through singing and prayer and other things. Yeah. And we're in the midst of a pandemic, right? We haven't been together in church since March. Yeah. Uh, what's the deal? What's next, Paul? Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, we are rapidly running out of time as we conclude this, but I do think that this is pretty cool that um, if you are listening to this podcast, you are getting a sneak preview into what we are going to be announcing over the next couple of days. And so uh, yeah. so that's pretty cool. So congratulations to you for listening to the podcast because this <laughs> is, we are rolling it out here first. <laughs> um, yep. Yeah, so a conver- yeah, well, like why is, I mean, it is so important that we gather together. Um, I am yeah. not going to, 
I don't believe there's any other way for us to, um, you know, fully engage in in discipleship and in uh, in the community of believers. I mean, you know, we are given gifts so that we can serve others in the body of Christ. I mean, there are so many indications where the body, as it comes together, is so much stronger together than it is apart. And there is something so powerful about gathering. It's yeah, it's about singing. Yeah, it's about you know shaking hands in the parking lot. Uh, maybe not shaking hands, but it's a lot. It's about it's about <laughs> connecting with people and caring for yeah. people and showing compassion and talking to each other. All of those things are true. But I believe that there is something intangible that happens when we are sitting side by side, or we are singing next to each other, or we are listening to the Bible being preached um, in community. The, yeah. the, the fact that we get out of our beds and get in our cars and drive to a place where we can be reoriented uh, again and sort of filled up again with, with, um, you know, with God's goodness so that we can face another week. All of that is crucial. Yeah. I mean, there's a reason that Jesus, uh, the word became flesh, right? God didn't send us another book of the Bible or like he was with us as we are with each other. And, and so great. We really like that is our ideal. We haven't been there. When do we get to go back? Yeah, well, it is going to take some time. So our goal right now is uh, we are heading to into the fall and making a plan for us to be together as we get into our kickoff and start kind of moving in a positive direction um, as a church together. Now, that is contingent on a whole bunch of different things happening, uh, including some information that comes through the government. Uh, We have to wait for provincial guidelines and federal guidelines as well. Um, Mm -hmm. You will know that there are lots of churches who are who've already started opening and um, in different ways and in different contexts. And that's great. Uh, We decided to exercise patience uh, for two reasons. The first reason was essentially because we wanted to make sure that we had uh, procedures in place that would keep people safe. Uh, That's quite complex in a church our size with the with our building and all that. Uh, The second thing was we wanted to make sure that we had the infrastructure available to do a quality live stream because we recognize that many of you will not be able to come back immediately when the church is reopened for live services. So with that Mm -hmm. in mind, we have we are going to make sure that we maintain a very high level of online services. Uh, That's been, you know, thanks to you, Dave, and your team and everybody else who's been working really hard to make that happen. Um, So we are going to continue to do that for the foreseeable future. At the same time, because we understand that meeting together is so important, we are going to start slowly rolling out uh, in-person gatherings, uh, Mm -hmm. likely beginning uh, sometime in August. And uh, those times will be not like you have, not like you're expecting. Uh, they will be nothing like what you're expecting. Yeah, um, C- certainly nothing like what we want. Yes, and nothing like <laughs> we want either. That's a good point. Um, yeah, and so we're going to be rolling that out, and there will be opportunities for people to sign up and um, and come to an in-person service. Uh, you know, gr- given that there's space provided. And, and uh, we will uh, do a uh, we'll be putting together some services that will incorporate a lot of our online content, uh, but also have some in-person uh, content as well. Um, and so that'll mm-hmm. be uh, happening as we kind of begin to roll into August in some pretty in some quieter ways. And uh, hopefully as things change and if they change, then uh, we expect to be uh, getting back together at, you know, in some way by the time we hit the fall. Yeah. And, you know, we're going to keep doing, um, doing everything we can with our online services and, and keep yeah. trying to facilitate uh, great 
uh, worship gatherings. I mean, I think we're at the point now, even if you've got people uh, in your bubble who, who you can do church with on a Sunday morning, um, we think that's probably a great way to, to start doing this. Um, we're going to keep listening to the government and we, you know, we obviously care about keeping people safe and healthy. Uh, and while we long to be together, we also, uh, we think we can be the church, even if we're not doing exactly what we want. So, um, yeah, stay tuned. We've got more communication coming out about that. Yeah. Anything else you want to say there? Paul? Just to reiterate your point about the smaller gatherings. Absolutely agree. I think this would be a really great time to connect with some people uh, who you might be in a bubble with um, or you might have be able to be in closer contact with and watch the service mm-hmm. with them. Even if it's one other person, it changes yeah. things so dramatically because we've been so used to doing this on our own or in our yep. family groups, when you add just another person, everybody, you know, kind of, it almost goes back to the beginning of this uh, pandemic in terms of, you know, experiencing online when you start doing it with somebody else, because now you're conscious of other people in the room. So I would yep. definitely recommend that you start there and you can start this week um, finding some yep. people that you can gather with. Absolutely. And and just as a reminder, um, you know, this is a tough season and it's not what, what any of us want, um, but it's not unique to us here in Canada, and it's not unique to us in history. The church, throughout the history of the church, has had moments where they have been pushed underground, where they look like a house church meeting in small groups, huddled together, um, not able to sing loudly. Uh, this isn't new to us, and the church will prevail, and Jesus is still king. So I, I think... I'm, you know, I, man, I just want to get together with everyone and sing Totally, uh, and we can't right now. So yeah. we're going to make the best of it. Um, still excited to be able to worship with our church family uh, on Sunday morning, whether it's online or yep. hopefully soon being able to do it some way in person. Exactly. So, we're going to wrap it up there. I know we're a bit longer than normal, but I think that was important to say. Um, so yeah, thank you for listening along to Postscript. We will be back next week as we continue to uh, dive into the book of Matthew. Talk to you then. <laughs>